How you doing? Good, good, good. Well, we really wasn't expecting y'all to be here. Um, I had uh, told Chelsea I wanted to uh, talk to her this morning and encourage her, and I guess you all can set in on it, okay? We're going we're gonna to have a father-daughter conversation. Um, you turned on? Yep. <laughs> Chelsea, uh, like a lot of people, uh, struggles with anxiety. And uh, since she has volunteered to be transparent this morning, can we all be transparent? Just talk as a family? Everybody, everybody, anybody or everybody in the room that has ever, ever struggled with anxiety. Would you be brave enough to raise your hand this morning? Wow. Wow. So it's a subject that uh, we can open up and talk about, can't we? We can talk about this this morning. Um, Kelsey, do you struggle with anxiety? <laughs> Bad. Bad. Yeah. Um. How many thinks Chelsea's a pretty girl? So that shouldn't that shouldn't be an issue, should it? Um, Chelsea was raised in a Christian home. Chelsea was raised in a pastor's home. Um, like me, Chelsea went to Sunday school in church nine months before she was ever born. Some of y'all will get that on the way home. You'll be like, that's what he meant. She's been raised in church um, like all of our kids. Um, living the Christian life was not just a Sunday thing. It was an everyday thing. Um, God has... Blessed Chelsea to marry a, a hard-working, honest, moral, ethical husband, a good man. He works hard for his family. He believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and he leads them to attend church and serve and do. They have a house to live in. They have two cars to drive. They got money in the bank. They got food in the refrigerator, food in the cabinet. God's blessed them with two beautiful, healthy children that to date are both exceeding the growth scale of doctors. Especially Boone. Especially Boone. Um, and I've said all that to say this. From the outside looking in, you would say... Chelsea Bowman has no reason whatsoever to be anxious. Can we agree with that? There's no reason for Chelsea to be anxious. But do you battle anxiety? Yeah. Well, can I talk to you? I'm up here. You're up here. <laughs> I made her really nervous first of the week. I said, hey, I need you to help me preach Sunday. 
Uh, he did it over the phone. I said, well, maybe. So I run away. <laughs> maybe we'll just have a conversation. Everybody else will sit in on it. Um, I, th- I, think, I think this subject is something that we can all benefit from. And I was talking to Pastor Darrell uh, before the service. What we're going to do today is we're going to hear from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're, we're going to use the words of Christ this morning to encourage Chelsea, to encourage me, and to encourage everyone in here. I, too, have had bouts of anxiety. I mean, I, I've been to the point in life that it, it almost immobilized me, to be honest with you. I've, I've been that anxious before. And, and it's not a fun thing. It, it's a terrible thing. Um, I can remember one of the first times I ever had a panic attack. Anybody ever have a panic attack? Well, those are jiffies, aren't they? And, and it happened at work. I was working for Keith at Golf Funeral Home. And uh, in the middle of the day, a good day, a sunshiny day, we was preparing for a funeral service. And uh, the Wilbert Vault guys had showed up to load up the tent and get ready to go to the cemetery. And we're standing outside talking. And like out of nowhere, I was just afraid for my life. I was just panicking. My heart started beating hard and fast and broke out in a sweat. And I'm looking around like, why is this happening? You know, because anxiety will produce that adrenaline inside your body. And it's that natural-born, God-given protection of fight or flight, you know? When when we're in real danger, just imagine if if we were living a few thousand years ago um, in Africa and a lion came after us. We need to panic at that moment, don't we? We need some adrenaline, and and we need our heart to pound, and we we need to be able to run as hard as we've ever run in our life to get away from that lion. But when you're living in America... And it's a beautiful day, and nothing in life is going wrong. And that happens, something's up. Something's out of kilter. Something's out of whack. And as I was talking to Pastor Darrell this morning about this, we're going to hear Jesus say these words, Do not be anxious. He's not beating around the bush. He's telling his disciples, Don't be anxious. Don't do it. It's easy to say. Not so easy to do. And and I suppose that I know, I know that God can deliver us from anything that we need and can be delivered from. He can deliver us. And, And somebody, hopefully everybody, will hear this message today and say, well, Jesus said it, that settles it. I'm not anxious anymore. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? But it's not always going to happen like that. And sometimes we hear what Jesus says, and in time we grow into obedience, right? I'm just being honest. I mean, it'd be great if Jesus says, do not tell a lie, and you never tell a lie again. But sometimes you're going to lie less and eventually not lie at all, right? So let's see what Jesus has to say about all of this. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11, ask. That's simple enough, ain't it? Ask, 
and it'll be given to you. Search, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open to who? That makes it personal, doesn't it? Now, Jesus is speaking to believers. We've got to know and understand that. Jesus is talking to believers. You're a believer, aren't you? Everyone, all believers who ask, will what? And the one who searches will... The door will be open to who? The one that knocks. So I'm, I'm sharing this with my favorite daughter in all of the world. I'm, I've told her from birth, you are the... You are the most beautiful daughter I have. She finally grew up to a point that she looked at me and said, Daddy, I'm your only daughter. That doesn't matter. You're still number one, okay? Now, God has blessed us with two more daughters, and we love them as well, but uh, you're still my favorite, okay? <laughs> now, listening guides... Who has a listening guide this morning? Go ahead and take out your listening guides. We're going to be using listening guides. I just dropped mine on the floor, but that's okay. If you didn't get one, Marvin's not with us today because they're on vacation, but Kathy has graciously agreed to hand out listening guides. Anybody need a listening guide, just raise your hand up high, and Kathy will get around to you. I'm going to share some more scripture as we go here. Now, Jesus goes on to say this, and this is so powerful, folks. Listen to this. Suppose your son, suppose your daughter, suppose one of your children asks for some bread. Which of you will give him a stone? That's ridiculous, isn't it? You're a parent, and one of your children comes up and says, Hey, Mama, hey, Daddy, I'm hungry. Can I have some bread? Could you give that child a stone? No. No. Or suppose he asks for a fish. Which of you will give him a snake? Well, nobody in their right mind, right? But even though you are evil... Now, now in, in perspective, in context, what, what Jesus is saying is you are part of fallen humanity. You are a sinful human being. You're not perfect like God your Father, and you're not perfect like Jesus. But if us being fallen humanity know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more? You see there? How much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, what did you say about asking? Ask and you will receive. Ask, ask. So that's in Matthew chapter 7. So I want to back up to Matthew chapter 6. And Chelsea, you have to know this scripture. I've, I've taught this. I've preached this. I've read this to you. I mean, this ain't new stuff, is it? Now, I mentioned 633 last Sunday in the message. But here, here's, here's the meat of the message this morning. Here, here. Now, I wanted to share Matthew 7 with you to just let you know that God is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week through prayer. 
and, 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 and he says, hey, ask, seek, knock. Ask, you'll receive, seek, you'll find, knock, the door will be open to you. If you, being fallen humanity, know how to give good things to your own children, how much more will the perfect Heavenly Father forever give you anything you ask for that you really need? So apparently, the disciples were anxious people. I mean, why else did Jesus have this conversation with them? I mean, I think they had reason to be anxious. They're, they're following this guy who claims to be God. They've, they've left and forsook their way of making a living. This guy doesn't even own a home. He's already told them, you can follow if you want to, but I don't have a house to live in. He said, birds have nests, foxes have holes, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. And he keeps talking about dying. You know, they've got reason to be anxious, don't they? They're religious men. They're Jews. And, and Jesus has called them to follow him, and in doing so, he's calling them away from everything they've ever known to be right and true as far as serving God is concerned. They qualify to be anxious, don't they? And so Jesus loves them so much, he begins to encourage them and tell them, don't be anxious, guys. And let me tell you why. Look at Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, read the next four words for me. Well, that was six, but I said four. I got confused a few weeks ago. Shannon called me out on it. I said, I've got six points I want to give you this morning. You got to understand that was still post-COVID. I mean, I had some COVID fog going on in my mind. I caught myself where I got done, though, didn't I? I was like, I'm going to give you six things. So I recuperated. Jesus says plainly here, do not be anxious about your life. Now, when when see, now if he just said don't be anxious, that might have been a smaller conversation. But he says, don't be anxious about your life. From birth to death and all of eternity. Don't be stressing out about life. Don't be anxious about your life. And he says, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll put on it. Now listen. Is life... Not more is is if is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And Jesus loved to teach outside, and he always incorporated nature in his teachings because it helped people understand. So he says, Hey, see those birds over there? They don't they don't sow or reap. In other words, they don't plant gardens, they don't plant vegetables, they don't plant food trees, they they don't do any of that. They, they don't gather into barns and store up. Yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Right? Why? Because He knows what they need. And, and He's already promised to meet all of our needs, hasn't He? And then He pokes them in the eye. He really does. It's like... Are you not more valuable than them? 
what would you all say? Are we more valuable than birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one single hour to your span of life? You know, here's what I've learned. When I get anxious, my blood pressure goes up. When I'm not anxious, my blood pressure goes down. You live longer when your blood pressure is down here in the normal range than you do when it's up here high. So when you're anxious, you're actually shortening your life versus lengthening your life. So Jesus is saying, hey, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, they don't spin. In other words, they don't, they don't make clothing to wear. They don't go to wherever you buy your clothing. They don't go there and shop and buy clothes. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, who was the wealthiest man of his day, there was nothing Solomon wanted or needed that he didn't get. Matter of fact, he went way overboard with everything. They don't toil, they don't spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So, or but, if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you? Jesus keeps repeating that phrase, much more, doesn't he? Are you not much more valuable than they are? And will he not much more clothe you? And he takes his finger and he pokes again, doesn't he? Oh, you a little faith. Now, why does he say, oh, you a little faith? Because... Just being brutally honest. Now, you guys know that if I point at you, I've got three pointing back at me. Can I get an amen? So I'm, I'm, not here to, I'm not here to put anyone down. I'm not here to scold anybody. We're just talking this morning, okay? And we're talking to me too. In all honesty, anxiety is the opposite of faith. And that hurts. That stings a little, doesn't it? Feet just got a little hot. The hot seat. Oh, you a little faith. Now, he says that a lot, doesn't he? He's asleep in the bottom of the boat, and a horrific storm blows up, and everybody starts getting anxious. Everybody on the ship has a panic attack. Where's he at when you need him? I think he's down in the bottom of the boat asleep. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Tell him to get up here now. So Jesus comes up out of the bottom of the ship, and he goes, what's going on, guys? Duh. Big storm. We're going to die. And Jesus is thinking, back before the storm hit when we were still on the seashore, what did I tell you guys? I told you to get in the boat. We are going to the other side. This is Jesus. This is God. When, when God says get in the boat, we're going to the other side, guess what's going to happen? We're going to the other side. And he's in control of both sides and everything in between. 
So Jesus takes a nap. Why? He knows they're going to the other side. So he says, peace, be still. And the storm ceases. And he spins back around and he looks at them and says what? Oh, ye little faith. Oh, ye little faith. Therefore, he repeats himself. Therefore, do not be anxious. Same four words, right? Anytime Jesus starts repeating himself, he's saying, listen up. I'm saying what I mean. I mean what I'm saying. I ain't saying it mean. I just mean it. Don't be anxious. Don't say things like, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? Here's what he says. The Gentiles seek after those things. Now, we just read seek, knock, ask, and you get, you get, you get. But don't be asking what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear because the Gentiles. Now, when Jesus refers to Gentiles, he's talking about lost people who are not religious in any way. They're not following God at all. That's the way they operate. That's the way the worldly people operate. Don't be acting like worldly people. That's what the worldly people who don't have a relationship with God, that's what they are consumed with, and that's what they worry about seven days a week, 24 hours a day. They're always worried about how are we going to eat? How are we going to have something to drink? How are we going to have something to wear? How are we going to have some shelter and things that we really need? Where is it going to come from? That's what the worldly lost people who don't know God, that's what they stress about in life. He said, don't be anxious. The Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Hey, Chelsea, let me ask you a question. How many meals have you ever missed since being born? Huh? None. None. How many times did you get up to go to school or get up to go to work or get up to go get married and didn't have something to wear? Never. Never. How many times in life have you ever been thirsty and not had anything to drink? So he's kind of right. Ain't he? But then Jesus moves into the answer part. Here's the answer. Here's the solution. Instead of seeking after the things the Gentiles seek for, instead of being stressed out and anxious and worried about what unbelievers are worried about and stress over, here's what you disciples need to do. Here's what you Christ followers need to do. Here's what you Christians need to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And here's the promise. And all these things will be given to you. They'll be added to you. Because your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. Therefore, for the third time, in a few verses, Jesus says what? Do not be anxious. And, and, and listen, don't be anxious about tomorrow either. 
for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Now, anybody in here that's ever been anxious, would, would, would you have, anytime you're anxious, would you like to hand that off to somebody else? Maybe somebody you don't like so much that don't struggle with anxiety? Hey, I don't want this more. You can have it. How many would, even as a Christian, how many folks would consider doing that? I don't want this right now. Here, you can have it. I even put a bow on it. Go ahead and open it up and let me watch you open it. Right? No. He is saying, don't spend any time worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow's filled with anxiety as well. And I can tell by looking at you, you don't need any added weight to what you're already carrying. He said, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Right? One day at a time. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the occasion to gather again as believers who love you and trust you with all of our heart. And God, we're so thankful that you're a good, good Father. And you've promised us that if we would ask and seek and knock, that we would receive, find, and doors would be open. Father, you've reminded us that in our frailty and in our fallibility, if we as human, fallen human beings know how to treat our own children and bless them and be good to them, how much more are we to trust you to be good to us? Father, you told us three times in a very short amount of verses, do not be anxious, yet we're anxious people. So I pray right now sincerely for every person in the house and every person watching via live stream that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, minds to comprehend and understand and hearts to obey. And we pray this in the mighty, mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, Now, one of the reasons that Jesus requires us to call him Lord is very, very important. What, what is a Lord? Now, we know he's our Savior. He, he came and died on the cross of Calvary and shed his blood for us so that he could save us from our sins, give us eternal life. So we, we understand Savior, but what does Lord mean? Master. And, and in a lot of times throughout Scripture, we're commanded as slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ and slaves of God to obey Him and follow Him, right? And one of the reasons He so desperately wants us to acknowledge Him and follow Him as Lord is because His kingship and His lordship over us can and will eradicate anxiety out of our lives if we submit and surrender to his lordship. So those that have been born again, those that have been saved, those that have repented and turned away from their sins and following Jesus in faith-filled, spirit-filled obedience, where does that leave us? We should not be anxious about anything. If we surrender totally to Him as Lord of our lives, then we should enjoy peace 
we, we should enjoy serenity. We should enjoy security. Why? We're the king's kids. Right? Yeah, right. I need you to stay focused. That's how you cure anxiety. Set her up in front of everybody and have a talk with her. That'll, that'll affect anxiety every time, won't it? Anybody else that wants to come up can come up. Just bring a chair and circle up around us. Here's what I'm convinced of. I'm, I'm convinced that Jesus spoke these scriptures, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, to help us overcome whatever. Say whatever. Whatever causes us to be anxious, that's why Jesus said what he said, okay? Now, I believe all of us, I believe all of us need a word from the Lord this morning, don't you? I always need a word from the Lord. And, and I believe we need a, Lord, a word from the Lord this morning to remind us. It's just a reminder. This is not brand new news to any of us in here, is it? No, this is a reminder that Jesus made himself king over us for the purpose of taking away our anxiety. What did he say? Cast all of your cares. Can cares and anxiety, are they not basically the same thing? If they're not the same thing, they're first cousins, right? And he says, cast that on me. Right? So him being Lord, him being our king, is all about us taking cares and anxiousness and here, Jesus, you can have this for me. And Jesus says, I'm big enough to handle it. Now, again, I believe God can perform miracles in our lives today and, and deliver us. But there again, he may choose to allow us to just continue to grow in announcing him as king and announcing him as Lord and getting freed and delivered from anxiety through a process. Because we can become awfully, we, we can become awfully spoiled we can become awfully spoiled if we just constantly hand everything they want to them. Sometimes they have to earn it. He's mean. So, here, here's what I hope to accomplish today. When we know, when we know and understand the remedy of anxiety, when we know and understand the reasons that Jesus gives us to not be anxious, then... His word, not that it needs, not that it needs any betterment, but it becomes more real to us, and it becomes tremendously powerful in our lives. Because y'all remember the famous theologian back in the eighties wore a big cowboy hat. His name was Johnny Lee. Y'all remember him? Now, he wasn't a theologian; he's a country music singer. But he sung a song that said this: "Looking for love in all the wrong places." And there's a lot of Christians looking for deliverance in all the wrong places when this, this is the Word of God. But you know what else it is? It's a doctor's prescription pad, and it's full of signed prescriptions. Right? Dr. Jesus has given us a prescription book full of prescriptions to cure all that ails you but we're not going to the drugstore and getting our medicine, are we? 
We're, we're looking for cures everywhere but the cure place. So let's just talk about that this morning. I think it's easy to see the main point of this Scripture. Everybody agree? This is not difficult Scripture to understand, is it? It's really not. In verse 25, he says, don't be anxious about your life. In verse 31, he says, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? And verse 34, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Okay? Now, there's one thing that I hope and pray rings in all of our ears as we leave here today, and it's this. Jesus doesn't want me to be anxious. Can you say that with me? Jesus doesn't want me to be anxious. Can y'all say it with us? Jesus doesn't want me to be anxious. Do you believe that? And I believe you do. Jesus has told us three times in verses 25 through 34, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious. I think he says what he means and means what he says, don't you? So he's telling his disciples. He's speaking to his 12 disciples. Hey, guys, don't be anxious. That's what I want to, that's what I want to ring in our ears as we leave here today. But now that's, that's the negative way of looking at what he said. There's some positivity to what he's saying here too, right? Anytime a parent says, do not, you, ain't, you get anxious, don't you? Because you're probably, you're probably doing something you ought not be doing. So that's the negative side of things. So don't do that, and if you won't do that, I won't spank you. That's part of the problem. I never spanked her. Did I? Testify. Good grief, yes. Now, her mama spanked her on a regular basis. And, and that guy over there in the black shirt, he's a boy. I wore him and his brother out. And like Melena says, enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> enjoyed every minute of it. But I can remember the first time that I know she needed it. And I thought, well, this is easy. I've done it with twin sons. So I took her to the bedroom, had the belt, and I got in there, and we had the talk. I always did the talk, didn't yeah. I? I told my kids from the time they could crawl, if you will listen to Daddy, you'll never get a spanking. You understand? Mm-hmm. So we get in there, and I have the talk. I explain here what you did was wrong, and here's why it's wrong, and we need to do better. And now I'm going to punish you so you'll remember the conversation. So I went to Spanker and I was like, he's a girl. Daddy said, never hit a girl. And she's a girl. So, but I did Spanker, if you'll remember. I did this. I went, don't do that again. And I'm telling you, my heart was torn out of me even doing that because that was my baby girl. I said, Michelle, she's yours from now on. <laughs> I'll do the talking. I'll do the correcting. I'll do the preaching. I'll do everything I can. But when it comes to physical force, you're going to have to do that. Michelle said, you got it. I'm on it like a tick on a dog. I can handle this. So there's a positive there's some positives here, and the positive is found in verse 33. Jesus says, don't you love when you're given options? Don't you love options? Jesus says, here's the option. 
instead of being anxious, seek first the kingdom of God, and that'll fix it. And folks, really, we could just stop right here, and that should fix it. But I'm just not sure everybody's convinced yet. So let's look at what else Jesus said. Here's what Jesus is saying. Instead, he's saying, in other words, when you're, when you're consumed about thinking about your life and when you're consumed about thinking about food and you're consumed about thinking about drinking and you're consumed about thinking about eating, when you're consumed about your needs being met, when you're worried about a house, when you're worried about a job, when you're worried about your marriage, when you're worried about your kids, when you're worried about your husband, anybody else want to throw anything into the mixing bowl? When you're worried about whatever, when you're worried about whatever, stop worrying about them. And instead of worrying about those things, now listen closely. Instead of listening, instead of worrying about those things, allow God to be who He is and allow God to be the king of those matters. It's all about surrender, isn't it? See, I've been taught all my life, don't surrender. Surrender is a bad thing, right? Every TV show you watch, you're, you're not supposed to surrender, are you? The surrenderer is the loser. And I've told you this, the six years I've been pastoring here, here's what I've told you. God's economy and their economy are different. The world's way of doing things and God's way of doing things are total opposites of one another. In the kingdom, the more you surrender, the more you win. Amen? In the world, the more you surrender, the more you lose. So we, we're bombarded with the world every single day telling us, don't you dare quit. Don't you dare surrender. If you do, you're a loser. And then we come to church and the pastor says, you need to surrender. And you scratch your head and say, well, I don't make any sense because I've done convinced myself that those who surrender are losers. And we're preaching surrender, surrender, surrender. And God is saying surrender, surrender, surrender. And Jesus is saying surrender, surrender, surrender. So we're to surrender all of life to His Lordship and His kingship. Now, to, to, to seek the kingdom of God first has a practical meaning. And it means that every matter in every moment of life Surrender to His Lordship, and that's the most thrilling way to live. A lot of thrill-seekers in the world today, right? Everybody loves to be thrilled. The biggest thrill on the planet for a child of God is to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's where the full freedom and the full peace and the full joy, and that's where the adventure of life comes from, is surrendering to His Lordship. Now then, this morning, I'm going to give you eight reasons, and I'm going to do it quickly. I'm going to give you eight reasons why we should listen to Jesus. What did he say? Don't be anxious. Yes. How many times did he say it? Three. Three times. How many days was he in the tomb? Three. And how many numbers in the Godhead? Three. How many days was Jonah in the well of the belly? Three. Or the bell of the whale? Either way. There's something to three, isn't there? Right? There's something to it. 
Jesus told us three times, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious. So, number one, fill in the blank. Where's your listening guide? How do you expect to remember all this, sister? I've taught you all your life. Take notes, take notes. You still don't listen. Take notes. You're embarrassing me in front of all these people. Found books, send them to school, and yes, ma'am. Sure. Until the bottom fell out, and then you fell into a panic attack. Well, sure you do. I think it's a growing process. And that's what I'm shooting for today. Again, I truly believe that God can deliver us today, and he may do that for some of us, and I hope he does. But then again, he may say, here's all the information you need. Now surrender to that information. Surrender to his kingship and his lordship. And in time, we will be overcomers. In time, we'll become overcomers. Yes. He's teaching us to trust Him instead of trusting what we're trusting. It's about lordship and kingship. Absolutely. Number one, number one, there's more to life than food and clothes. Can I get an amen? Life is more than food and clothing. Verse 25, verse 25. Do not be anxious. Now, every time we see that, without me even having to cue you, will you say that with me? So we're going to back up. You ready? Here goes the next. Here's verse 25. Do not be anxious. That's the words of Jesus. That's what we're trying to accomplish here this morning. Do not be anxious about your life. In other words, from the cradle to the grave and everything in between, regardless of what life throws at you, and that's the series we're in right now, isn't it? We're going through the book of Daniel. Regardless, unshakable, regardless of what life throws at you, that's what Jesus is saying here. Don't be anxious about your life regardless of what happens to you in life because bad things are going to happen in life. Can I get an amen? Even as a child of God, bad things are going to happen. Bad times are going to come. Bad things are going to happen. Bad situations. We're going to have to live through a lot. And by the looks of things... It may get a whole lot worse before it gets any better. So Church of America, Church of Tennessee, Church of Monterey, listen up. We got to prepare for the worst. And then if the worst doesn't come, praise God, right? But let's prepare. Let's be wise about it. Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. And somebody like me instantly goes, yeah, but why? Right? Why? Why not be anxious? Well, I forgot to put this in there, but here it is. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? It really is, but a lot of times we make that quite a bit big deal 
Huh? You got to talk in the microphone. I make it a big deal. Who else from time to time makes that a big deal? We're just being transparent, aren't we? Sometimes we make our clothes a big deal. Sometimes some of us make drinking and eating a big deal, don't we? We really do. We really do. So, so what, what does this mean? Why do we get anxious about food and why do we get anxious about clothing? Well, I believe there's three good reasons why, and I want to give you these three good reasons. Are you listening? Yes. First of all, we would lose some of the pleasures. Don't have to raise your hand. Don't even have to nod. This is a rhetorical question. Just answer in your own mind and own heart. How many of you all are pleasure seekers? I'm, I'm going to raise my hand. I, I, I love pleasure, don't you? And God wants us to enjoy some pleasure. But pleasure should not be the number one priority of life. We should be down here where it belongs, right? Because Jesus gave us the answer in 33. Seek first the what? Kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. So first of all, the first of the three reasons is we would lose some pleasures we think we can't live without. Number one, food. I mean, who don't like good food? I gained eight pounds during my 10-day COVID quarantine. You know why? I was eating good. I was eating a lot. I was eating a whole lot more than I needed. Why? Because I was anxious about COVID, and one of my favorite medicines is food. If for some reason, food sticks to me in all the wrong places. It does. And, but, but eating food is, is nearly at the top of the list of my pleasures. I'll be honest with you. If I'm bored, I eat. If I'm anxious, I eat. I don't have to have a reason to eat. I love to eat. It tastes good. I love to eat. Eating is what we do for fellowship a lot of times, right? And, 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 if, and if you take that pleasure away from me, I'm going to be anxious. Right? So number two, now what's he talking about? He says, don't be anxious. Don't, don't be worried about life. Don't be asking the question, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Or about your body, what you're going to put on it. So number two, we stress out about clothes because if we're not so concerned about clothes and if we don't worry so much about clothes, then we're going to lose some human praise and some admiring glances if we don't dress nice and fancy. I don't look like this every week. <laughs> you sometimes you do. You come to my house on Monday morning, I ain't going to look like this. <laughs> but what if you go shopping on Tuesday? You're decked out. Yeah, I don't know this. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy human praise? I do. If somebody tells me I look nice, I, I like it. You do? I do. And if somebody looks at you like, boy, she looks sharp today, you're like, hmm, <laughs> I, like I, I like a compliment. You do, don't you? I do. Remember I said last week that every time we get a compliment, we're being tested, aren't we? What are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that? It's not that I... 
it makes you sound like somebody who would be anxious if you didn't get that. But it's just, I'm not a shallow person. I'm no. Just, I'm anxious if I'm wearing my sweatpants and an old T-shirt and somebody's going to see me. Right. And I get anxious about but it. But ain't your body more than clothing? Yeah. Jesus says it is. Didn't say he was. That sounds so bad, though. It does, don't it? I do like to read myself. What, what's happening today? We're, we're looking in the mirror, aren't we? And we don't really like what we see, do we? Because it, ooh, I, that, that, ain't, that, that, that ain't me. You, you, that's me. Right? Don't feel good, does it? Mm. No. Why did we come up here? You had all week to say no. I really have an option. <laughs> We've done this lots of times, just not in front of everybody. Third, Jesus said, third, if we didn't have food and clothing and shelter, we'd lose long life, wouldn't we? You know, people who are homeless don't live as long as people who have nice houses, do they? Because they're not sheltered from environments. And in the middle of winter, if we didn't have warm clothes, what would happen? We could freeze to death, couldn't we? So we know we need these things. We know we need food. We know we need drink. We know we need clothing. We know we need shelter. But guess who else knows we need those things? God does. And what's that verse in Psalms that says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread? You won't see that. Because God doesn't allow his children to do that. So we get anxious about food and clothing because we don't want to lose physical pleasures. Pleasure seekers. Human praise. Boy, you're looking good today, sister. I know. I know. And length of life. Those are the three things that Jesus is pointing toward. You're worried about those things because you're more concerned about the pleasures of life than you are your relationship with God and trusting Him as Lord and King. And you're anxious because you desire human praise more than you, you, than, than, you, than you seek God's praise of you. And you're anxious because you're more worried about living a long life here on planet Earth instead of getting home and spending eternity with Him. Jesus says that's why you're anxious. So Jesus says this. Here's what Jesus is saying to His disciples. If you're gripped by anxiety over these things, it's because you've lost sight. Of the right things. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. He says life wasn't given primarily for physical pleasure, but for something far, far greater, the enjoyment of God. Life wasn't given primarily for the approval of people, but for something far, far greater, God's approval of how you're living life. And life wasn't given primarily for long life here on earth, but something far, 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 far greater, spending eternity with God in age to come. 
Kind of like Peter walking on water. As long as he's focused on Jesus, all was well, wasn't it? But when he took his eyes off Jesus and began to focus on the storm, which had the power to never allow him to experience physical pleasure again, would have disallowed him from ever being praised by people again and could have ended his life when he sought those things more than he sought Jesus, what did he do? He sunk. So we shouldn't be anxious about food. We shouldn't be anxious about clothing. We shouldn't be anxious about protections and provisions and place to live because those things truly cannot provide us with the greater things in life. Those come from God. The enjoyment of God, the, the pursuit of His gracious favor and the hope of eternity in His presence. Now listen close. Listen close. You might want to write this down. I'll say it slow and I'll say it twice. Write this down. The level of our anxiety, the level of our anxiety is equal to the amount that we lose sight of the greater purposes of a Christ-centered, spirit-filled life. Now let me say it as a sentence so it makes sense. The level of our anxiety, how, how we're going to measure the level of our anxiety, the level of our anxiety is equal to the amount that we lose sight of the greater purposes of a Christ-centered, spirit-filled life. So when we take our focus off of a Christ-centered, spirit-filled life, our anxiety level goes up. But when we begin focusing on a Christ-centered, spirit-filled life, our anxiety goes down. Number two. Jesus is looking around, remember? And he said, hey, look at these birds over here, verse 26. Birds rely on God. And remember what he said in verse 26? He said, hey, look at the birds of the air. They neither snow, they neither sow. I want to say snow so bad I can't stand it. Go away, snow. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Chelsea, are you more valuable than birds? Yeah. Are you guys more valuable than birds? When we watch how birds live, we don't get a lesson in laziness, do we? We don't. What do birds do? Birds are always on the go, aren't they? Work, 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 do, do, do. They're always digging for worms. They're always catching in, insects. They're always patting their nest. I mean, you look at a bird's nest, they'll, they'll, there's string in there, there's feathers in there, there's twigs in there. They're cushioning it and making it more comfortable for themselves. But who's feeding them? God's feeding them. And if God has already committed to keeping the bird's bellies full, and we're much more valuable than birds, then who's going to keep our belly full? So now nobody's anxious about food ever again, right? Well, we're going to work on it, right? 
What we see when we look at birds is a creation of God that doesn't act as if God is only going to be merciful today, but He's going to be a merciful provider every day that we're alive. How much more then should we trust in the reality of the mercy of God? Not only today, but every day. You know what the biggest difference between us as His disciples and birds are? I can't hear you. Birds can fly. Chelsea said the biggest difference between birds and disciples is disciples can't fly. That's true. We also are not covered in feathers. That's number two. But the most important part is this. It's that we have the capacity to honor God with our faith. And birds don't do that. All right. Number three. Boy, is this a doozy. Anxiety, anxiety, I can't even say it, I'm so anxious. Anxiety is useless. Say useless. useless. You know how useless it is? Anxiety is as useless as a tent next to a palace. Michelle got really anxious when I started saying that because I have another saying that she says is not appropriate to say from the pulpit. <laughs> But it's not horrible. If you want to hear it, see me after church, and I'll share it with you. I did share it from the pulpit one time. She crawled under the pew. And we had to get a therapist to come talk her out from under the pew. <laughs> Made her anxious. Anxiety is useless. Look at verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? The argument is very practical here. The argument that Jesus is making here is this. Anxiety gets you nowhere. Anxiety is not productive. It's not beneficial. It's of no good. It's useless. It makes you sick. It does. It's useless. It's useless. It doesn't do us any good. And here's what I've got to realize. Whatever the problem is that is making you useless, your anxiety cannot fix that problem. It only makes it worse. So anxiety is useless. It's useless. The only thing it accomplishes is it makes you miserable during the storm, doesn't it? And anxiety makes you miserable during the storm. The storm. So don't be anxious. What is it? Anxiety. It's useless, ain't it? How useless is it? It's as useless as a tent next to a palace. No. Number four, we're halfway there. God delights to adorn. God delights to adorn. In other words, God loves to dress you up. He really does. Verses 28 through 30. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? 
owe you a little faith. He will, won't he? He will. Why? Because God delights to adorn. When you look at the lilies of the field, you know and understand they do not have the ability to do anything other than just be pretty and adorn the field. It's what they do. It's what they do. But if God delights, if God delights and finds expression in adorning the grass of the field with lilies, how much more does he find pleasure in adorning us with clothing to cover up our nakedness? See, we've, we have so perverted clothing. Have we not? Did you know Goodwill clothes will cover you up just as much as Fifth Avenue clothes will cover you up? Huh? It's where I show up sometimes. Nice clothes there, right? Yeah. Very affordable. Just go back and clarify. The reason I have anxiety about clothing is because I've had two kids in the last three years. So your sizes go up and down and up and down. Your body changes. Yeah, but they, it looks like they've gone down. Well, I mean, yeah, he's a year old almost. But still, your body changes. So yeah. I get anxiety about my clothing because things don't fit the same anymore. Yeah, my body has went back down, but places aren't the same anymore. It's, it's switched around. So that's how I... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never had a baby, and look at me. Yeah, that's why, that's why I get anxiety about my clothing, yeah. and I have the, the problems that I do about it. It's not because I'm a shallow person. It's like, oh, I have to look good all the time. It's because things don't fit me like they used to four well, years ago. I've got some wisdom for you. Yeah. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> get over it. Get past it. I know. When you get to heaven, everything is it. you get a glorified body. You what? I know. I can't hear you. I know. Okay. That's my problem. That's we'll, why we'll, I we'll see if she knows next week. You're going to have me up here again? No. Exactly. <laughs> if I catch you being anxious over clothes, I'm going to say, I thought you said you know. I know. I know. Okay. Let's go on. But some people would argue and disagree. God hasn't adorned me like the grass of the field. God hasn't adorned the poor, pitiful Christians who live in the Sudan. To which I would ask you. We're talking about disciples here. Okay, now guys, this may sound rough, but it's the truth. We're talking about Christians here. God is making these promises to Christians not to the world. So there's going to be people in the world who are hungry. There's going to be people in the world who are naked. There's going to be people in the world that don't have shelter. And it could be, the possibility could be, it's because they're far from God. Now, had Chelsea chosen at age 14, 15, 16 to run away from home and live in the woods... I wouldn't have had the ability to clothe her 
provide her food and shelter and those things because she rebelled against the Father that loves her so much. You all see what I'm saying? These promises are to God's people. So I admit that we're not clothed like Solomon, but here's the question I would ask. Have you ever seen a disciple of Jesus Christ who didn't have the proper adornment they needed to live out their calling? And you would have to say, you know, now that I think about it, I've never seen one of God's people hungry or naked when they were seeking God's kingdom first and living out their calling. Is that a true statement? See, the the promise is linked to our faith, and the promise is linked to our faithfulness to God. So be careful. Don't, Don't measure the perfection of God's provision by a standard below His calling. Okay? Number five. Number five. Unbelievers are anxious. And they should be. And and I'm not talking down. I'm not condescending. I'm saying people who don't need God should be anxious because what's not to be unanxious about if you're an unbeliever? But what he's saying is, unbelievers are anxious. Your believers don't be anxious. So both the fifth and the sixth reasons are tied to verse 32. We shouldn't be anxious about what we eat and what we drink or wear because the Gentiles, the lost people, the godless people, the Christless people, those who rebel against God, they seek those things. Now, they have to seek them because God has not provided for them as He's provided for His children. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need, so rest assured, be at peace, have serenity, know that God is going to give you everything you need. Anxiety about the things of this world puts us on the same level as the worldly-minded unbelievers. That ought to cause us to say, ouch. Unbelievers are anxious. Are you a believer? That's what Jesus is saying. Unbelievers are anxious, and they have reason to be anxious, but... Here's the line. You're not an unbeliever. You're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not be anxious. Anxiety shows that we're too much like the world when it comes to what makes us happy. Let me say it again. Anxiety shows that we're too worldly when it comes to what makes us happy. That's not good. That's not good. That's not right. That's that's sinful. As I said a while ago, we're the king's kids. We're the king's kids, and we need to think like we're the king's kids. And we need to believe like king's kids believe. And we need to live like the king's kids. Number six. Your heavenly father knows what you need. 
And I'm going to ask you to say this with me. Here's what we're going to say. We're going to say, my Father knows what I need. One, two, three. My Father knows what I need. Now, Chelsea, in all honesty, did you ever worry growing up about having food or having clothing or having shelter? Did you ever worry about that? And I'm not looking for a compliment, but why did you not worry about that? Because I knew your mom wouldn't call us about it. Why do you have to bring her in on it? Well, she worked too. Well, I know, but I'm the father. Oh, we're talking about dads. We're okay, talking about yeah. fathers. Because we'll talk about her another day. You did good. You, you did good. But you always provided, even though she peeked out my clothes. Because good fathers know what their children need, and good fathers provide the children's needs. Can I get an Amen. Is God a good father? Does he know what you need? Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. That's easier to say than done. I I admit that, folks. I do. So what do we do? We need to come to the realization that the world has nothing eternal to offer. The world has nothing eternal to offer. But our loving Heavenly Father knows our needs both now and forever. Can I get an amen? Amen. Number seven. God will carry your burdens if you let him. Add that on to the end of your note. God will carry your burdens if you let him. He wants to. Can I get an amen? He's he's capable. Can I get an amen? He's willing to. Can I get an amen? then why not let him? Then why not let him? Verse 33, the last, the seventh reason why believers are commanded not to be anxious. Well, it ain't the last, it's the seventh. Thank you. Here's the seventh reason not to be anxious. When you seek the kingdom of God first, God works for you and God provides everything you need. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and Christ, the Lord and Savior, says all these things will be added to you. They'll be given to you. I I can bank on that, can't you? I can bank on that. The best reason to stop being anxious is that when you do, God will be anxious for you. Cast all your cares, cast all your burdens, cast all your anxieties on Him. Why? Because He loves you. He cares for you. Don't you think it's a foolish thing to insist on carrying your burdens when God says, I'm the burden bearer? number eight, number eight, a portion for each day. A portion for each day. Verse 34, do, y'all missed it. Remember I said, the, the now we're going to go back. Remember what I said without killing you when you see it. Now, y'all forget my messages just like you forget my cues, don't you? Bam, there it is. Do Do not not be be anxious. anxious. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. 
How many in here believes for a fact that tomorrow may not come for you and may not come for me? Why would we spend one second of today worrying about what we have no clue about? That's foolish, isn't it? That's foolish. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for its day. Let tomorrow be anxious about tomorrow. I ain't got time for that, right? In other words, God, sovereign God, how many believes God is sovereign? How many believes God's in control? How many believes God is providential? Absolutely. God has appointed to each day its portion of plight and pleasure. God's in control. If tomorrow's a good day, praise God. If tomorrow's a bad day, praise God. It's appointed by God. Now, nowhere in here does Jesus promise that all your cares are going to go away and you'll never face another difficulty and you'll never face another difficult day. None of those promises are in here. Here's the promise. Regardless of what life throws at you, trust God. Depend upon God. He will provide everything that you need. Everything that you need. So don't take the liberty to misappropriate God's allotted troubles for tomorrow. Do you not have enough trouble today? I mean, you got to borrow from tomorrow? Well, that's smart. You know what that'll do? That'll make you anxious. And for some reason, some people just want to focus on troubles and not focus on the sunshine. I was telling the lady at the nursing home this week, every time I go to this particular nursing home, she's at the end of the hallway in her wheelchair and, and her view are mountains and the sunshine. And she just sits there and soaks it in. So I walk up to her and called her by name. And I said, hey, what are you doing? She said, just enjoying the sunshine, just enjoying God's creation. I said, it's beautiful, ain't it? She said, yeah, but it's a little overcast today. I could use a little more sunshine. I said, have you ever flown in an airplane? She said, boy, no, and I'm glad I hadn't. I said, let me share something with you. I said, I have a few times. And I said, you know what I learned? Above the clouds, the sun is always shining. She said, really? I mean, she, she hadn't thought about that in life. She said, I guess you're right, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I've been there. And I said, don't you love clouds? Aren't they beautiful? She said, oh, they're beautiful. I said, listen, you've never seen the beauty of a cloud from the bottom side up. You ought to see how fluffy they are when you look down on top of them. And she's just in amazement of this. Mm. So I encouraged her that regardless of what the day looked like from her point of view, from God's point of view, the sun is always shining and the clouds are always fluffy. And that our days here are numbered. And we're going to go there soon. And there'll be no need of a S-U-N there. Because the S-O-N will forever shine. And the clouds will all be, always be fluffy. And folks, that's what we have to bank on. From God's point of view, the sun is always shining. The clouds are always fluffy. Where we are now, it's not that way. 
but it's going to be that way forever. Right? What is your life? Is it not a vapor that just appeareth for a short time and vanishes away? It is, isn't it? According to verse 33, the primary, the, the centrality of Jesus' kingship should become what all of our life is about. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this before. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus, isn't it? So if we're seeking first the kingdom of God, if we're seeking first Jesus, what's going to happen? He's going to meet our every need. And now I have no reason to be anxious. Whether I live or whether I die, I'm the king's kid. I've got a home here. I've got a better home there. Am I right or am I wrong? Jesus came. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus rose again in order that he might reign as our Lord, as our king, over an anxiety-free kingdom. Amen? So let's, let's do a dress rehearsal. Let's start practicing here for heaven. You're going to be anxious in heaven? Let's start practicing now. Trust Him. Let's trust Him. Look to Jesus. Forsake all other allegiances. Take our vow of loyalty today to the King of Kings. And seek to make known His kingship over every aspect of our life. Can we do that? Yes, we can. Let me ask you again. Can we do that? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. I promise this is the way to escape anxiety. It really is, church. It really is. When I focus and do this, you know what my anxiety level does? Ooh. When I take my eyes off, you know what it does? Ooh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can we pray together? Ma'am? The main part of all this is so clear and unmistakable. Jesus doesn't want his followers to be anxious. It's in bold writing right there. I don't know why y'all didn't see it. Jesus doesn't want his followers to be anxious. Can we pray? Father, you are our God. Jesus, you are our Savior and our Lord. Father, you have promised that through Jesus, our Lord and Savior, that we can do all things, that you'll supply our every need according to Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Father, we have no reason to be anxious. We have no reason to fear. We're your children, and you're a good, good Father. God, I pray for deliverance right now today every person that struggles with anxiety. 
God, we know that anxiety is the opposite of faith. Grow our faith, Father. Help us to turn from ourselves and help us turn from the world and help us to turn from fear and help us exercise faith. Father, there could be people in this room today and there could be people watching by live stream who are not king's kids, who are not followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, who have never confessed their sins, who have never told you how sorry they are that they're the reason that Jesus had to bleed and die on the old rugged cross of Calvary. Father, it was our sins that nailed him there, and it was his love for us that held him there. Father, if anyone, anyone under the sound of my voice needs to believe in their heart right now that you love them and you care for them, Jesus died for their sins and was resurrected on the third day, Father, grant them faith and repentance right now that they may do so. Father, for those who have never confessed, Jesus is my Lord, right now give them the faith and repentance to do so. Father, create in all of us a clean heart, a new heart, the heart of Jesus. Fill us all to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Help us to love and trust you more. But we ask this today, and we believe you'll grant it. We seek this today and believe we'll find it. We're knocking at heaven's door, and we trust that you'll open it. And let your will in heaven be the same here on earth today. We pray this in the mighty and the powerful, wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, Amen.